This is Need to Know. I'm Allison Beer. In this episode, I talk with Jennifer Stittard, ACCT's Director of Government Relations, about updates to federal and state financial aid. So today we're talking about developments in financial aid, both at the federal and the state level. Um, There have been uh, new pieces of legislation and some new data that's come out in the past week that would be important for trustees to know. So we're going to start off talking about federal. Jennifer, what has been going on in the realm of federal financial aid over the past week? I think what I'd like to talk a little bit about is kind of a follow-up to our February's National Legislative Summit. Um, We had a lot of individuals that came up, so we'll cover a little bit of the issues that we talked about there for those who were at NLS and for those who maybe weren't at NLS as well. So two of the big priorities that we had at the Community College National Legislative Summit were um, the enactment of Pell eligibility standards for shorter-term training programs. Um, What this would do is basically programs right now have to be at least 600 clock hours or 15 weeks in length in order for a student to be eligible to receive a Pell grant. Obviously, community colleges are offering a lot of programs that are below those levels. Um, you'll see it in healthcare programs, manufacturing programs, some IT programs. You know, some are non-credit, some are credits. They vary a little bit. But right now, there is no federal support, really, for student aid um, and for Pell Grants in particular for these programs. So the idea is that one would take these clock hours and lower them. Um, What we're looking at is 150 clock hours or at least eight weeks in length and thereby establishing eligibility for those programs. So to extend uh, financial aid and Pell Grants in particular for these short-term programs, we um, would need some legislation to do that. So Jennifer, can you talk about the legislation that's recently been reintroduced? Sure. So about two weeks ago, Senator Portman from Ohio and Senator Kane from Virginia reintroduced a bill called the JOBS Act. And what this would do is, as we talked about, it would lower those clock hour and week limits for students and for programs um, as far as Pell Grant eligibility. We worked extensively with both offices in order to update this bill. Um, The JOBS Act is actually a really old piece of legislation in many ways. It was re- it was originally introduced by Senator Mary Landrieu, who represented Louisiana several Congresses ago. So the bill's gone through some additional updates and stages. I would say things that really would want folks to know about the new bill, which by the way is S-839, um, the awards are going to be larger under this piece of legislation than we previously saw um, in bills that have been introduced. Um, Also an interesting development, the bill would exclude proprietary colleges from being eligible for grants under the JOBS Act. Um, Also, um, one of the things that would be of interest to a lot of our colleges, currently if you have a baccalaureate degree, you are not eligible for a Pell Grant under almost all circumstances. So this bill would extend the short-term training Pell to those individuals as well. And the reason we're talking about this a lot is because during the National Legislative Summit, this was one of our priorities. So those thousand people that came up here for NLS, these were one of the things that they're advocating for when they went to Capitol Hill. So this is an excellent time for individuals that came up here and met with their members of Congress to go back with a follow-up email talking a little bit about the JOBS Act and how we'd like to see them co-sponsor it. And what has been the reception so far in Congress to the JOBS Act? 
So I think, you know, it's interesting. Initially, when we talked about doing the short-term eligibility, I thought, wow, this is a slam dunk. People are going to be so into this and think it's a great idea. But it's been a little bit of a mixed bag somewhat. I think philosophically, some people believe that Pell shouldn't be eligible for these shorter-term programs. Um, they argue that they're not academic enough, that these students maybe aren't really college students. So I think a lot of it is that we really have to frame this in a way of showing the benefits of the programs. So if you're reaching out to your member of Congress and saying, hey, we want you to co-sponsor the JOBS Act, I think it would be really great if colleges and trustees could really talk about what programs at their institution that might be eligible for this and what types of students take those programs and maybe even what types of outcomes you have if you know. So really personalizing that would really help. Additionally, I'll mention that while we have S-839 in the Senate, we're still working on trying to get a companion bill introduced in the House. So we will keep our folks updated via the law alert list to let them know when that occurs and what type of action they may be able to take. I think the Jobs Act is one example of a larger conversation that's been going on in D.C. about you know expanding financial aid for new groups of students. Um, so can you talk about other pieces of legislation that have been introduced recently that would do uh, just that? Certainly. So Another item that we talked about as our priority at the National Legislative Summit was this idea of extending Pell Grant eligibility to incarcerated individuals. We call it Second Chance Pell. Um, we basically call it that because the Department of Education has recently instituted what's called an experimental site, um, whereby certain colleges applied and were selected to be able to offer Pell Grants to this population for uh, let's say an extended temporary basis. Um, it could be cut off at some point, but right now it seems to be ongoing in order to collect more and more data and more and more evidence of outcomes for these individuals. So what we saw this week is we saw the reintroduction of a bill that would basically change the statutory language on this. Um, in 1994, Congress instituted a ban for Pell Grants for this population. And it wasn't something that was done via the Higher Education Act. It was done the, via a crime bill. So basically, at the time, everybody really wanted to look tough on crime. So the idea was we were no longer going to make accessible financial aid for these individuals. So what this bill would do, and it's S-1074, um, is it would overturn that 1994 ban and extend eligibility to this population. And I will say, and I have to give a big shout out for our NLS folks who really pushed this. Um, for the first time ever, this bill is being introduced in a bipartisan fashion. Um, in the Senate, our lead sponsors are Senator Schatz from Hawaii, Senator Mike Lee from Utah, and Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois. And in the House, we actually have four leads, Congressman Danny Davis from Illinois, Congressman Jim Banks from Indiana, Congressman Barbara Lee from California, and Congressman French Hill from Arkansas. So it's really kind of a varied group politically. Um, so it shows the, the support we're seeing behind this bill in general. When trustees are talking to their representatives about the REAL Act, um, what are some tips that they can use for framing the conversation about how this would benefit you know, community colleges, their students, and you know, the broader community? 
I think what's important to keep in mind with this is of the individuals who are incarcerated right now, um, which is about 2.4 million individuals overall, 95% of them are going to be released in the future. Um, studies that we've seen, such as a study done by RAND, show an extremely positive return on investment for um, investing in prison education in general. The RAND Corporation saw that for every dollar spent on prison education, you see a $5 um, savings overall. So I think that there's a lot of good messaging on what's being done. Certainly we have colleges that are out there already doing this. Um, and just highlighting what's already be d being done in areas that, that Congress can assist on this. So we talk a lot about um, federal financial aid programs in different ACCT resources, uh, but we talk less about state financial aid and state financing, and it's really important to put everything in context. So actually this week we um, got to see some new data about the, you know, uh, landscape of state higher education funding, which was, you know, really interesting to s supplement the federal, the new federal proposals. Yeah, and I think um, it's a report put out by SHIO, right, which is the State Higher Ed Executive Officers Association. And it's a report I know I look forward to each year, um, as maybe unusual as that sounds, but folks that work in the higher ed space, we always love to have more data on, on how our colleges are doing financially in the states. But um, what would you say would be really interesting to know about uh, this year's state higher ed finance report? Yeah, like you said, you know, it's a lot of data and it's a little nerdy, but kind of taking a step back, this year's report I think is noticeable because it, we're looking at fiscal year 2018. So we're at the 10-year point from what people would consider the start of the Great Recession. So looking at a whole, we can see what trends have been over the past 10 years, what that looked like in an economic downturn, and then what state finances are, and financial aid are starting to look like once the economy is picking back up. Um, so I think you know one just thing to know off the bat from the report is we just had a period of five years of state um, funding growth for public institutions. This past year, from fiscal year 17 to 18, was you know, the first time in the past five years that we've started to see a leveling off. I mean, this takes into account inflation. So we're move, like I said, we're moving from a growth period to more of a leveling off period. And you know, it might take a few more years of data to really understand what those trends are as well. And does the SHIO report break it up state by state? So, for example, if I was in Indiana, could I see what Wisconsin's doing and, and make some comparisons? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we won't get into all the state differences here, but I'd encourage everyone to take a look to see how their state stacks up against other states. And there's a lot of variation. Um, it ranges from states that are decreasing their funding in higher education to states that have recently made some very large investments in higher education. So in the report on state higher ed financial aid, out of the state appropriations that we've seen in the report, how much are we seeing it for financial aid? So on average across all the states, um, the amount of money set aside specifically for financial aid is about 10% of the larger pot of the money. Um, so a few things to keep in mind here. I mean, the amount of money for state financial aid is small in comparison to the total amount of money. 
But states tend to preserve money that's set aside for uh, financial aid in particular. So even in times of economic downturn, states will make sure that there's money available for student financial aid. The report also shows how in the few, the last few years, um, in a time of economic you know, upturn, how states are now investing more money in state in financial aid. And I think that ties into the broader conversations that we've been having around college affordability, college promise movements, and uh, you know, more um, all of the cost of attendance needs that students have to attend um, to complete their degree and states are recognizing the need to put an investment in that. Well, thanks so much, Allison, for giving us some insight into what the report is. And everything that we talked about today, the Jobs Act, the REAL Act, which is the Second Chance Pell Bill, and additional information about the State Higher Ed Finance Report. All of those items can be accessed by looking at our ACCT Now website, um, and we'll also be putting out more information on our law alert. Individuals that are interested in, in learning more about this can go to our ACCT website, which is acct.org.